Hello, everybody. Welcome to this pop-up edition of She Thinks. I'm Patrice Onwuka, the Director of the Center for Economic Opportunity at Independent Women's Forum. Now, I've got a question for you. If you needed a thousand bucks for an emergency and, you know, you didn't have it in your savings and you couldn't borrow it from family or friends, where would you go? We know life happens, and for many households that live paycheck to paycheck, $1,000 can be like a million bucks. Um, and, and not surprisingly, people look for those short-term loans. Um, maybe they just need a couple of months before they get their IRS um, tax return money. But if you have a bank account, you might, not, you, you might assume you can just go and loan it, borrow it from your bank. But will it be as easy as simply going online applying and getting that that cash as quickly as one, two, three? I actually don't think so. And I'm my guest today is Patrick Brenner. He is the president of Southwest Public Policy Institute. He's going to tell me about his own experience putting that question to the test. Um, he's tried it and it didn't quite work out. So he's here to share his, I call it depressing experience, um, as a banked American, not an unbanked, but a banked American, trying to secure a short-term loan um, from a traditional bank account. And he had all of the checks, the, 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 the questions checked, yes, everything was on paper. He was great. So for all the criticism of online lending and small dollar lending, aka payday loans, he can explain why there actually is a place for them in our society today. Patrick, welcome to She Thinks. Patrice, Patrice, thank you so much for having me on today. I appreciate all the work that you and the Independence Women's Forum do for the cause. I, I appreciate it very much. And thank you for having me today. Of course, of course. So we want to hear all about your experience because it's really interesting. But before we do that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, I'm the president of the Southwest Public Policy Institute. We're a relatively new think tank in the right of center liberty space, free market space. Um, I founded the institute in July of last year. We got our C3 status pretty quickly thereafter, and uh, we've been going gangbusters ever since. Um, I'm really excited about some of the work that we're doing here at the institute, which involves a lot of data acquisitions in non-traditional formats. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about the potential for our, our reach in New Mexico and across the entire American Southwest. I am coming to you today from uh, scenic Rio Rancho, New Mexico, just north of Albuquerque. And uh, while Albuquerque in, in New Mexico is our base of operations, we anticipate being able to reach out into other states uh, like Texas and Arizona very soon. Terrific. Well, you talked about data acquisition in some untraditional uh, methods or means. So I think let's jump right into it. Um, you decided to put the question to the test of whether it would be easy for a person with a bank account to simply get us a, a short-term loan. Tell us sure. about your experience. It originally started in January when New Mexico's interest rate cap on short-term lending went into effect. They capped interest rates for lenders at 36% APR. And in this space, I really don't like the term APR. Yeah. These the APR, annual percentage rate, is typically applied for products that are lent for periods of at least 365 days. And from the industry on specialized emergency lending, from the industry experts themselves, the average time of holding one of these short-term small dollar loans is about 111 days. How can you apply an APR to a loan 
that is held for less than a third of a year, the argument is absurd on its face. Mm -hmm. Regardless, uh, the problem was that the interest rate caps went into effect and a lot of small dollar lenders evacuated the state of New Mexico mm -hmm. and left a lot of borrowers without alternative options. Now, New Mexico is unique in that we have a, a large unbanked and underbanked population. I am Just not- Just explain what that is for our audience. I'm sorry, Patrick. Sure. An unbanked, um, these are people that for whatever reason, whether they fear traditional banking, whether they fear banks, whether they're distrustful of banks, or whether they just don't like the idea of using banks and they do their business in cash, or they use uh, services like uh, check cashing services, mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, whether they're unqualified borrowers, whether they're unqualified consumers, uh, they don't have access to traditional checking and savings accounts, or they don't want access to traditional checking and savings accounts, mm -hmm. or any other traditional banking products like credit cards and personal loans and mortgages and uh, auto loans, things of that nature. So it's um, unbanked is or underbanked is can fit any of those criteria of just not having access to traditional uh, banking products. Now, so talk about your experience. Now, you want you you are a banked individual. Um, Very. What, maybe what, did, what did you decide to do? What did you decide to um, to put to the test? Well, uh, last year the Pew Charitable Trust came out with a study that stu or that uh, the announcement was that six of the large national banks in the United States were going to start offering these uh, specialized emergency loans in lieu okay. of the traditional small dollar lenders. I use traditional because small dollar lending is is does not fit the criteria of a traditional financial product. Um, so in January, the Pew Charitable, uh, or, I'm sorry, the Pew Charitable Trust came out with a report announcing that these six big banks were going to start offering these loans. Now- the Problem solved, right? Uh, according to the Pew Charitable Trust, yes, a problem solved. The banks are coming in to save the day. I never thought that the Pew Charitable Trust would be shills for the big banks, but here we are. Um, so in January, we started looking into uh, what we could do about that. Like there were three banks that had branches in New Mexico. There were U.S. Bank, Bank of America, and my favorite, Wells Fargo. Um, we applied for a, uh, a non-traditional short-term small dollar specialized emergency loan from each of these banks. Now, the problem with what these banks are offering is that in lieu of a traditional credit application, they mm -hmm. had other overly excessive criteria or what I have personally determined overly excessive. Um, one of the requirements is that you have a, a checking account. So the first step in applying for any of these short-term small dollar loans from any of these banks is to apply for a checking account. As many of us know, there are minimum deposit requirements. So I had to go out, take out cash. Uh, I took out $25 increments for the three banks. I actually went out and, and put $60 in each of the accounts so I wouldn't be charged overdraft fees because we're gonna let these checking accounts sit for the period of about a year before uh, we try again. And we're gonna try applying okay. these uh, these short-term lending or short-term loans again. Um, so you apply for the checking account. And then once you've got the checking account opened, which was a, a process in and of itself, especially at Wells Fargo, I had to go back to that branch twice. The first time was to schedule an appointment with a banker that I didn't know I needed 
just to open a checking account. Now there are some, uh, there's some good stories here. U.S. Bank and Bank of America were were pretty easy to fulfill the requirements for opening a opening a checking account. But Wells Fargo, I went to the Wells Fargo branch. I asked to open a checking account. They said that I needed to come back after I made an appointment. I made an appointment for the following morning. Drove back to the location, which uh, that's already an hour of my time wasted just getting to the branch. Once I had the appointment, I opened the checking account. Um, somebody actually walked in and stole my appointment. I was five minutes early. Oh, no. uh, so I had to wait an additional 20 minutes before I saw the banker that I already had an appointment to meet with um, and then open the checking account. Once these checking accounts are open, they establish online banking. So you, they give you a username, they give you a password, you get access mm -hmm. to the mobile app. They will not accept an application in the branch for one of these short-term loans you have to apply online. And my understanding of this situation is that if the bank has a banker or an employee interfacing with, an, uh, with a borrower on one mm -hmm. of these short-term loans, the bank immediately loses money because the margins are already so thin on oh, wow. traditional products. So I was forced to apply for the small dollar loan online. And I did at all three banks with all three checking accounts. And uh -huh. I was at each one of them because I hadn't had a checking account open for a minimum of 12 months. Again, because no. these products are designed for non-traditional borrowers, many of whom don't have a credit score or have a very bad credit score. Yeah, I, I don't fit that criteria. I just checked my credit score this morning on Experian. It is 751 points. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm a qualified borrower. I have a mortgage. I have a, I have a vehicle loan. Mm -hmm. I have personal loan uh, uh not it's a home equity line of credit um yeah. that we did for the for the backyard um so i'm i'm not i'm not unbanked i'm well qualified i'm not overextended i meet all of my monthly payments on time yet still at each of these banks us bank bank of america and wells fargo mm -hmm. i was denied for a simple 500 dollars loan and now here is so you've 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 tested the experiment and you've proven that um, someone who is well qualified, you check all of the boxes, you're still not going to get access to it because of you, you didn't ho hold a bank account for long enough with that lender. And I think it speaks to the larger point. And the, the big point here is that a policy that may have been well intentioned um, to cap interest rates, drove uh, options out of the, in, out of the business, out of the state, and now what's left was there was supposed there's a vacuum of opportunity. The banks are supposed to have stepped in, and yet what they offered still does not meet the needs of someone who is unbanked. As you said, they have many reasons. Maybe they're distrustful of banks, or they're just they just would not do not want to have a bank. They would have to break their own conscience, conscience to get a bank account, and then wait a whole year when that emer when an emergency that you know may need cash in a in a week uh, would that just not would not fit the timeline. I mean, I think I think that's a really smart experiment that you ran, and you wrote a report about it, which I, I love the title. Um, no loan for you. Uh, thinking well, of the soup nuts. Seinfeld reference. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay. That Seinfeld reference is classic. Um, but talk to us about the big picture, because we hear a lot of criticism about um, the lending industry. Um, I, I, 
people call it pejoratively payday loans, or you think of title loans, whatever predatory. they call predatory. Debunk that myth for us. Are they really predatory? And you, you got into it when you talked about the idea of APR being attaching a year APR to something that is repaid within a matter of weeks or maybe a couple of months. But why is it that, that, that there really is a need for these types of lending in the market? Sure. I will admit that I would have used uh, a, a payday loan during my time in college. There were times where I needed some additional cash and I, I couldn't get access to uh, a traditional loan from, from a bank because I was 20. I didn't have a credit score. Uh, I didn't have a, a credit card at the time. Um, and I, I most likely would have been able to do that. What I did instead was a, a cash advance back when Wells Fargo was doing cash advances yeah. on, on checking accounts. And I was just a dumb college kid. I didn't know any better. but college kids are, are, are stretched thin. They're on, on very fixed incomes. There are certainly a, a criteria. They, they fit the criteria for a potential borrower in this circumstance where they can't necessarily afford an unexpected expense. Let's say their car breaks down and they need um, repairs done to the vehicle in order to be able to make it to class. And they can't put that repair on their, their student loans because the loans have already been dispersed. What are they supposed to do in a situation like that? If they don't have access to uh, parental help, if they don't have access to traditional credit, like most college students don't have access to traditional credit uh, when, they're, when they're younger and they're first getting started in school, what, what do you do then? So I'm not just talking about traditional unbanked, underbanked, folk that um, that are distrustful of banks and that opt into not using traditional banking services, there are tons of people out there that might be in need of a specialized emergency loan that now they can't get it because they have to wait 12 months with no overdraft fees and no overdraft penalties with their Wells Fargo checking account before Wells Fargo will even consider lending them 500 bucks. So uh, 12 months is not, I mean, does not constitute uh, being able to lend in, in an emergency. Yeah, it, it does not. That emergency is already done and expired. So what I think we've seen these kind of rate caps um, in different states. They've been implemented before. Yes. Uh, and talk to us about what happens when the rate cap causes um, these lenders to go out of business because it's just when you think about it, you're lending to someone who's considered high risk. You don't know if they're they're going to repay it. You don't have um, any sort of capital to 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 to, to borrow again. They don't have anything to borrow against. So you, you're taking a big risk, which is why you have a higher interest rate. But when those options disappear, what where do people turn to? Well, they're certainly not going to turn to Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, or Bank of America. They can't. Yeah. Uh, Instead of instead of being able to turn to traditional financial institutions like those big banks, you end up seeing folks uh, using title shops. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll go turn over their title to a vehicle and use that as collateral to borrow money. Or you'll see them entering pawn shops, uh, putting up a collateral for uh, for for access to that cash. Now, these specialized emergency loans are, are typically uh, non-collateralized loans. There is no collateral that is obligated to be put up by the borrower in order to get access to that cash. But when you remove that as an option, what other choice do they have? And pawn shops are, um, 
I don't want to disparage any particular industry, but yeah. you're you're left with an with the only option of having to put up what could be priceless family heirlooms mm -hmm. to a pawn shop that uh, in order to be able to get access to that cash. I've now, also stories of even loan sharks, the people turning to loan sharks and, and illegal sources of um, of cash in a, in a pinch. Oh, sure. Absolutely. That's entirely an option. I mean, I I hail from, from Maryland in the East and you see a lot of loan sharking in, in illegal activity like the, the mafia. I love The Sopranos. That's a great show, but uh, it's, it's hardly an optimal experience when you're having to borrow money from somebody like Tony Soprano. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned something specifically earlier that I want to go back and touch on. It's yeah, the concept of these short-term and, and uh, payday. I, I don't like the term payday lender. It is a specialized mm -hmm. emergency loan. These are not payday lenders. Payday lenders lend for two weeks, one week, as short as one week, or up to four weeks for, for that typical payday period. Uh, we're, we're specifically addressing specialized emergency lending here, where the payment period is beyond that that 30 day period. So these typically these loans are are borrowed for about 111 days. And yeah. that's directly from from these industry experts. They refer to it as predatory lending. And my my comment, there's a great Thomas Sowell quote here. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Sowell said that applying APR in the case of a specialized emergency loan is like saying, I'm going to go rent a hotel for two days at the rate of $36,000 a year. Nobody rents hotel rooms at $36,000 a year. They'll rent a hotel room for uh, $100 a night. Mm -hmm. So why is a hotel able to charge $100 a night, but a specialized emergency lender does not get afforded that same opportunity to borrow at less than it uh, to, to lend money for less than a year why is that apr applied I, I that's that's the predation right there is these regulatory bodies coming in and applying apr to something that it should not apply to hmm. and this is it, you you mentioned it already this is the worst case of the road to hell being paved with good intentions. This is, it's well-intentioned, it sounds good. Oh, yay, we dismantled predatory lending in New Mexico. It makes for flashy headlines, but yeah. in reality, you're putting people that don't have access to traditional credit in a situation where now they don't have access to any credit. You have made it illegal for a specific class of citizen to borrow money. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that I'm glad you expounded on that. Um, and, and that's exactly where I had hoped you would go. Uh, and I think it's a great way to round up our conversation because this is a policy issue. And as you, you know, as we've both said here, the intention of protecting people, particularly those who are disadvantaged, and, and I've looked at some of the demographic data uh, and, and individuals who, you know, they tend to be on the younger side. Um, they tend to be, I think, um, maybe statistically white women tend to take out these loans um, most commonly, but minorities are also, you know, they tend to borrow at a very high rate. So you're talking about people who may not be high income earners. Um, they may need, they may not have a huge nest egg or a big save emergency savings to pad themselves, which is why in that pinch, they're turning, they're looking for those emergency loans and um, whatever form, however, length of time they're willing to take it out for. 
and they need access, they need choices and options. And by the government coming in and putting its thumb on the scale of saying, we like these, but we don't like those, that is removing options. That is distorting the market. And frankly, that's not helping. And I love the Thomas quote, Thomas Sowell quote, it's hurting, hurting the people that it's intended to help. So in any case, you know, Patrick, I love this experiment. I, I want you to come back um, in, a, in a year from now uh, or sooner, whenever you have um, hit year one and seen <laughs> how the banking application goes the next time around, because this is, issue is not going to go away in, um, in your state or frankly across the country. And federal the, the Congress uh, under certain one party rule would love to try and institute something like this as federal policy. And so we need as much ammunition as possible to push back when we hear people bring forward these ideas. So Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today on She Thinks. Patrice, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. Terrific. And to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please stay tuned. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Absolutely download, like, share, and uh, spread the word about She Thinks. I'm Patrice Anwuka with the Independent Women's Forum, and I will see you next time.